A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rul Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rukens, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations. All right. Well, welcome to this Design to Change episode, a special episode with Catherine Frankson, who is the global event marketer, revenue driver, a FOMO sufferer from Minneapolis in Minnesota. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Hello. Thank you. It's great to be having this conversation. Yeah, this is this is a, a real treat. Now We've been on various different, you know, podcasts and other um, events. I think where we, we we spoke, but we never got to speak face to face. And here we are, um, nearly in very similar snowy conditions, I think, but on two different sides of the Atlantic. Uh, you being in Minneapolis, um, I'm here in Basel, in Switzerland. My name is Rudi Janssen. For those that are listening to our podcast, this is the onstage part and. The first question I'd like to prompt you with, uh, Catherine, is this question, which is a good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Oh, that's such a good conversation. Uh, this one that we're having is also long overdue. You know, what's, what's interesting about that is if you would have asked me that question years ago in my career, I would have said, yes, the magic, the spark the serendip serendipity, the build of that. And, and actually, as I've, I've gotten deeper into the work that I do in events and in marketing and, um, and in design and in design thinking, um, you realize that actually a little healthy prescription to that, the making sure that you've got the, the right voices in the room, maybe that there's some, some healthy guardrails that sort of give you that catalyst to creativity within a conversation um or finding that right that right person who you need to be talking to um i would not i would not leave it to chance i realize that these whether we look at i don't know an experience or someone who we think is oh my gosh they're doing stuff that's so that's so creative that's so elevated that's so interesting i think a lot of time our our gut is that they must just have the it factor and it, it's sort of it's it's happening as well and you realize when you start working with more minds like that i would say we have quite a few on our money 2020 team which is really inspiring um there's there's a process to it there's very intentional points of connection there's very um sometimes rigored thought behind who could i connect with that would spark something so um I'm in camp. No, don't leave it to chance. Start building, <laughs> building your future now and be intentional about it. Well, if, if, if what I'm seeing on money 2020, I've never been to the event, but maybe you can paint a picture for people that have never been to this event, because when I read the marketing statements there, it is, it's a global fintech event leader, right? Mm -hmm. Money 2020, both taking place in Europe and in, and, and in the U S and when you look at the payoff, it says the place where money does business. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Isn't slogan. that great? Isn't that <laughs> well, that's what it said on the European side that I just saw. Um, that's true. But it but it really triggers like 
triggers that um, that love to do business, but also what the role of money is is within that in that place of business. Tell us a little bit about Money Twenty Twenty, the U.S. and the European version that you look after. Yeah, I love that you called out the the tagline. Um, we love that. We just changed that um, this year, and I think it's really powerful because money is everywhere, right? That it's more ubiquitous than you know fintech or payments or banking, um, and that's what we found with with our audience. But Money Twenty Twenty overall, we are events were experiences for the the payments, the money, the financial ecosystem, technology. Um, you hit on something else that's that's really interesting to, to call out though. We design our events um, in a way that doesn't just start with, you know, weeks out planning or here's what we need to do, you know, in terms of our, our operational strategy. When we get together, we actually do start with words like love and and passion and you know and some of the other things you'd expect you know world class what can we do that's different um we usually take the things that that worked so brilliantly um and then we go okay well those are really brilliant so we obviously can't do them again because we need to do to do something else but um yeah our shows are you know at face value conferences and trade shows for uh you know the global financial ecosystem but what they've turned into is something really special because they're designed for the whole of the industry by subject matter experts, but we weave in, and this is from product all the way to marketing execution to a confirmation email, mm. a level of design and and thinking in a different way than I would say I've seen really probably in, in any event. And so that becomes the, the secret sauce that we try to carry through from from brand to when people actually arrive and go, oh my gosh, this is this is like nothing I've ever experienced before. Money is a worldwide thing, right? That's one of the things that you guys also mentioned Money. there. Now this is also going to Asia here in 2024. Yep, is it? we're launching. Yeah. Yep, 2024. We're launching in Bangkok. So we wow. announced that in in Las Vegas, which is which is really exciting. Yeah. Um so we've got another another show in our in our arsenal. Now, what's always interesting, I think, in from the perspective of design, but also the types of conversations you're having, is because although the event might be quite similar in, in, in its intent, the stakeholder groups might be quite different in different geographies, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. That also begs the question how you have those conversations with the event owners. And before we go into all of that, which is really cool stuff, so we've got to hang on to that. I want to ask you the question, what's currently on your horizon of change? What's on my horizon of change is, that's such a good question. We know that, well, it's a couple of things, but to hone it in, I would say relevance and how we continue to capture and hold attention. To me, that is, that's where I put my mind share, my energy, what I feel like I'm a student of when it comes to marketing. And certainly it, it's funny during the, you know, during the pandemic, I actually gave a talk once where I said, congratulations, we've all become product marketers. And I think that really holds true, which is that we, we, we know everything has changed, but we have to be thinking in such a different way, in a way that is so much more aligned with how our audiences are connected to our product outside of just going, oh, I understand marketing, I understand comms, I understand the channel work, and that can get technical and nuanced really, really quickly, but to have a, a deeper connection with the product. However, 
all of that to be said is you're not going to land whatever it is. If you've designed something beautiful, if you are, if you are an expert, if you feel like, you know, the, you know, the tech, or maybe you've, you know, evolved your tech set, whatever those, those heads down places in your business that you choose to focus on, if you cannot tie that to a story or a link to your audiences that is relevant and that gets their attention in the here and now, not what worked a month ago or a week ago or last year, or when you look at your, you know, wash up reports or your NPS, or if we look at our data and this, what is this, what works and we should do this again, or this stage or this carousel or this tactic, because it's changing so quickly. And mm. that is the ultimate challenge that we're tasked with is staying relevant and knowing what to say and do and where to be that feels attention getting and interesting to whatever that ever evolving audience is. And if you, you know, don't find that way to pull up into that, that bigger ecosystem, whatever aspect of event design or marketing you're in, um, it's going to feel really hard to get traction. And it's going to feel in the oh my gosh, but I'm, I'm working so hard and so diligently and I'm, I feel like I'm doing all these right things, but it's not quite quite landing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I put a lot of, of time and energy. And also I think that that materializes in, in many ways. It's, it's producing content, it's attending events, it's having conversations, it's sponsoring events, it's what we're producing, it's meeting with people in consumer markets, it's meeting, you know, outside of our, our industry. It's, it's, having conversations intergenerationally, you have to kind of have all of those different inputs where you feel pretty much week to week. I've got enough of an ecosystem built here where I feel like I can keep my finger on the pulse and I'm, I'm consuming enough content and creating enough content so I can also see what the reaction to that is. Mm-hmm. I've got consumer touch points in our industry and outside of it. And that's going to help me be equipped to actually make the strategic decisions and recommendations mm-hmm. that feel like we're going in a path that keeps us super relevant. Yeah. Now, your event is amazing. It has grown 55% over 2019 figures, what I saw on the website, right? So 11,500 participants, 3,000 leading companies, 6,600 book meetings, 350 speakers, 60 hours plus of content. It's a massive event. Massive. Yeah. Hyper growth is a, a fun and a good thing. When I was home over the, actually the holidays recently, my family goes, oh, those events are so big and really successful. Are you just relaxing right now? <laughs> and I actually after I said, oh, if you only knew. That's not how that works. Because we've all also been through the downturn, right? And so now it's, it's great to celebrate this upswing and it, it presents new opportunities and you're constantly capitalizing on that. But um, yeah. the events were incredibly successful. How we've approached event design, especially coming out of the last couple of years was with a laser focus on, we know audiences are valuing their time very differently, financials very differently, expectations are really different. And to think that we can pick up any playbook that that we had previously, um, is just, it's not, it's not realistic. And so design became and product led thinking and internal subject matter expertise became mm-hmm. the ethos that became the core. So show for show floor fundamentally changed. Um, we brought in uh, 
a VP of creative outside of the industry. And I think actually it's funny, our sort of our KPIs are like, what, what is the wow factor, which might sound a little, you know, silly to, to say, but I think it puts you in the right headspace. Events can just get so technical, so quickly, as opposed to living in the, what's the most wow worthy, incredible thing that we can do. But but that growth, I would say, really stemmed from the fact that the product transformed in such a, such a powerful way. Even rethinking our stages, I think, is a really good practical example. You know, we think, how, what do our audiences deserve from us? And, you know, mm-hmm. we decided, well, they're the, they're the stars. This is about them. This is, you know, they are uh, what make putting on an event for them possible. Uh, and so, you know, when you, when you start with what's the absolute best scenario for them, well, it's probably not, you know, showing up and, and looking around and going and standing in a, a registration line and, and, you know, and getting a lanyard. It's like, well, what if they actually arrive? And as the rock stars there, they come out on stage. And so that was their experience. You came into the show, there was a two story arrival stage. It looks like you're walking through backstage. We've got actors with headsets on, they open the curtains, you come out. You're blasted on on a big screen. We've got fake, you know, paparazzi and journalists, and you come out and and it was it was magical. So when you when you sort of deconstruct all of those those elements and what 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 do we really think people want and need now? It's like oh okay, well we've got big keynote stages, but also people kind of want you know to spill the tea a little bit. Like where can they? They're going to come in person. Like what can we reward them with? Well, it'd probably be really cool to have, you know, an off the record stage where they know that no press is all they can get in. It is going to be some of the, you know, whether it's the biggest brands or these big voices, like sharing things that they've never heard before. They truly can't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. It's going to, we're take their phones. We're going to put them in yonder pouches, lock them away. It's going to be this whole experience, right? So thinking through every single piece of that and then, and, and combining that with marketing, because our job is to be connected enough to the needs and the emotions and the wants of our audience, matching that with data um, so that we can actually deliver on that. But, but telling sort of telling that promise and explaining that in a way where you're, you're keeping, you're pulling enough forward where they know I'm, we're getting their attention. We're holding their attention. We're converting it. That's the job that we have as opposed to just executing and pushing out messaging and, and going, okay, well, we've, you know, we've sent the emails and retargeting ads are live. It takes a level of critical thinking and being joined up mm-hmm. with your design team so that you understand that story. And, and practically we can even kind of break down some of those communication points because, you know, you, you, we, we changed some of just even that meeting modeling so that it felt more productive and we kind of mm. separated out um, what are our meetings where we get inspiration and insight that's going to light a fire under our, our graphics team where I can write copy that feels like and our marketing team can write copy where it is going to jump off the page. We're going to have hooks and headlines and subject lines and really fun, edgy copy that um, that's inspiring. And then, and then how do we break that out from things that are operational because everything was sort of falling in the same meeting cadence, but, um, it's so important to build all of those pieces of your event because that's what's going to drive the results. And, you know, and you, you have the spreadsheets and you've got all the revenue modeling and you have all that, but, 
Um, when you when you break that out and give yourself a little bit of that breathing room to deconstruct all of that, you can really build something that feels fresh and interesting and audiences respond really well to that. I think that's a very, um, I mean, you say it, but I also see it, right? So when I look at the messaging that comes out of your events, and I encourage whoever's listening to, um, unless you're driving or jogging, right? But <laughs> once you get back to your computer, right, take a look at some of the links, and you will actually uh, see <clears throat> what what Catherine's talking about. Because I think, uh, you know, whether it's the headlines or the videos or the copy, they put little smiles in your mind, uh, you know, that allows you to kind of like wonder what it's like to be to be part of this event. Uh, and I think this is. This is uh, this is not easy to do. Uh, you, it looks like you guys have really wrapped your heads around that, and you know have, uh, like you said, put design front focus into how you create those narratives that are relevant to the not just the wants, but the everything beyond the wants, the needs that people have. Right? Sometimes they don't like to hear about their needs, but you know if they find them written down somewhere, they're going to go, "Hmm, I might not want it, but I need it." Right? Or my boss yep. might need this, right? And so I may want to go after that need. Uh, and I think this yep. is something that um, I mean, it shows. Um, and I'm and I'm very curious. I'm going to examine in, in closer detail um, after our conversation mm -hmm. how different it is between like the European, the US version, and what you're building for Bangkok for 2024. Because mm -hmm. obviously they're very different markets with you know connected yep. to the same planet. Um, yeah, and probably well, similar. Well, similar and different players, I, I don't know. But what, what, what kind of difference do you see between the regions? It's interesting. So I'll also tell you how we're, we're structured. So we have in-market teams, marketing teams, mm -hmm. specific for the US, for Europe, and for Asia that mm -hmm. we're actually building out. And then myself, our VP of marketing, our, our SVP of creative, we sit over everything globally. So what happens with that is you've got that thread of, okay, here's where we need to go strategically, right? I go, excellent, we need to be doing, this is, you know, here's where we're landing with goals, here's where we, what we're gonna do for channel work, here's, you know, what what we need to do in terms of personal, all, all of that really big, meaty stuff. And then we do not lose the nuance or the, the market intelligence or this book. Within Asia, you really tight relationships with, you know, governmental entities and, you know, language is very different country to country, Europe, very different growth zones, US, much more US centric, there is there is absolute differences. And so there is you cannot water any of that down. And you have to you have to find the way and for us, it's, it's having those that level of local expertise so that you do maintain that. Mm -hmm. um, and it is fun do you know, opt into everything and and take a look at it. I would encourage everyone to, you know, check it out as well. It's fun to, you know, it's, it's fun to, to follow other market and you'll see our messaging continue to evolve and, and shift. But the thing that, that we've really picked up is specifically design really does become a, a cultural element that you have to hold on to. And that is where, because it is the big stuff. It is, oh, we're a two-story arrival stage and, oh, we're going to do a planetarium stage because that's where ideas are planted and there's going to be a thousand plants and we know that's going to be, you know, really incredible experience and who are the keynotes. It, it is that stuff. It's also 
the the ways that your audience is interacting with all of your communication. And that's why I say marketing has come so much more into that fold because mm. essentially if you think of everyone that you're communicating with, email lists, who you're targeting digitally, partners, that's a, a much bigger ecosystem than who, even if you've got a growing and robust event, than who gets to experience all of that on site. So that that level of creativity in in every level, every touch point that you're putting forward is important. We do, um, a, you know, an, an email campaign where it's highlighting the companies that are are coming to to the event. Um, and it's you know, people want to know. It's important to it's important to share that. That could be pretty boring. That could be a pretty boring email. Um, and it the responses that we got to it because it's this long list. And so we put these really funny copy treatments in between each section. And one of them is like, you know, keep going, you, you scrolling maniac you and um, <laughs> all these just, just, you know, funny different CTAs in there. And um, same with how we like to introduce headline speakers. It could either be, you know, announcing, you know, keynote X and, you know, a title and a bio. Hmm. We do these really interesting, um, deep dive creative sessions where we try to come up with thematic elements. And so, you know, in, in you get these nuggets that come out of it. And I think part of it is having the freedom to having, having the white space mentally to So you put that on the calendar, but you also need to be present and hold that space for being able to grab onto those ideas mm -hmm. and, and run with them. So one of our keynotes are, you know, uh, director of content was saying, it's like, gosh, you know, it's so great. He's done all these different things. I mean, he's the, you know, he's the, godfather of fintech and and then it was on to the you know what he's doing now but that's a nugget of an idea for a mm -hmm. campaign and thematically you know ran with that really funny visual treatment uh really interesting you know you can do so many plays on copy um with that and so if that is part of it you can't get so locked into we're, we're there's so much to do with events right you can't get so locked into this we have to get everything done you really have to be um, sort of, you know, prescriptive about saving enough space where then you can suss out what those ideas are because they're just going to have to come in the day to day. You're going to have some of the big stuff and you're going to bed that down maybe in a 12 or 14 month plan. But hmm. there's going to be those other pieces when you sign a keynote, when something comes up that you have to have that baked into your process so that you can breathe enough where you can get those sparks and then be able to actually execute on it in a way that feels a little bit more agile. So it, so it is a, a balancing act. So for money 2020 USA, I'm looking at it as you're, as you're talking mm -hmm. through this, because it's when you see it, I think you can also feel the story, right? So you're saying join FinTech's biggest conversation, right? So this is all about conversations that you're having mm -hmm. 11 and a half thousand people having conversations. Uh, you've got rock star speakers that are also pictured in very different ways. And if you if you, if you mm -hmm. want to see the picture, take a look at us.money2020.com and you'll see kind of what it looks like in practice. Um, it's very. Um, um, uh, how would I say it? it? It has a character of its own, the event. Right. And I and I can almost mm -hmm. feel like I'm curious, you know, having been to quite a few events in Vegas, or other places for that matter in Amsterdam or in Bangkok. Um, it's always interesting to see how the 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 idea and the marketing story narrative comes to life in the real event, right? Yeah. Um, 
I know that's that's the only way to do that is to go to the event and be there. So maybe maybe that's what we should do, right? Or everybody. That's definitely one of our should, takeaways. Is you're yeah, coming to all the events next. Every time. everybody should come to all these events and, and just take a look what what Catherine works really represents I'll, I'll in walk practice. You through it. Yeah. I'll show you all the little things. You're yeah. like, oh, well, you're never going to believe how hard this was, but it's really great. Check it out. Yeah. So what what um, maybe I can maybe maybe I can take you down. Um, no, first another question. Like, how big is the team that's working on this from your end? Because people might think, oh, well, they have this huge organization. And uh, how many how many people are working on this event? Can you share that kind of information? Or yeah, you know, it's interesting because we are a combination of brand and and central team. So if we mm -hmm. you know pull everyone in, what are we probably a hundred plus mm -hmm. in terms of between ops and content and marketing and and sales. So we've got some global, we've got some dedicated just to the regional events. But um, I would say, you know, how we're resourced is, is really smart, just because you do have enough of that. I, I live the brand day in and day out, we've got the right level of central support for if you know, for us, video treatments are a really big thing. We know that we need to, to be telling stories. We know that we want everything to be, you know, produced at a level that is really worthy of, again, our audience's attention. But, mm. um, but we also, you know, I think run the business in a really smart way where it's not overwrought. Um, and it, it allows us to be able to kind of do the thing where you're like, yeah, we want to move really quick. And we want to, you know, ship things really quick. But we also want it to be really good. We have really, really, really high standards. So yeah, yeah. I feel like we've hit the a little bit of the sweet spot with that. Yeah. And I think that's what people are doing, right? The, like you said, their, their choice for how they spend their money, but more, more importantly, their time has become so critical since what we've experienced in, after COVID. Uh, travel isn't as easy as it used to be. It's more expensive. Mm -hmm. So the things people choose to go to are more selective, yeah. I suppose, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you do go, yeah. you want the highest possible quality for that that you yeah. can afford to satisfy your needs, I suppose, right? Yeah, you, you really can't have any gaps in that experience now. I mean, th just the the access to information, the the access to events virtually, regionally, um, how people are connecting, the growth of communities, events are, are really, really important but to think that we just sort of hold all the cards when you know that there's choice and and in competition and what your audience wants out of it is if they're going to if they're going to you know put their life on pause and and travel and give you all of this time we ask for a lot of time out of people at at events whether you're an attendee or a, a sponsor or a a speaker um, mm. or a partner. I mean, it's it's a it's a significant investment in, in your time, and it's certainly a significant investment financially. And so, you can't have gaps in that experience. You have to deliver on everything and more that you think your audience would want. And it and it's not a soundbite. You really you really have to because everyone within, de depending on what vertical you're in, um, those communities are talking. They're having those conversations and to, to build something that's going to last and to build a brand um, as opposed to, to maybe feeling like you're going quarter to quarter or year to year with your event to really build that. Um, it takes setting yourself up in a way that you know that you're going to be able to put forward something that your audience loves. And I think that's the bar 
it yeah. isn't it isn't just we're we're getting because events are tiring let's be honest we it all yeah. we get through it and you just want to fall down um and there's so <laughs> many pieces and it's the inevitable crescendo and you know but but this is four i mean like the event in the us is four full days right is that what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so yeah i mean we want people to really 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 absolutely love it and when you mm. kind of you know set that and say that in meetings or put that in in docs you you do think about all those details a little bit differently um i'm i'm, I'm very impressed also as at, because there's so much information how you lay it out and, and how the visual communication happens so one of the big things that um, this community likes to do is to represent stories visually, but also be able mm -hmm. to tell them in a very simple, succinct manner, right? Um, um, and I see that that layer is is also very much embedded. I suppose people that deal with money or go to these types of events, time is money, right? So you've got to be succinct <laughs> in everything you do. I love the timeline layouts, the agendas, the way that things are also kind of communicated in, in different preferences, yeah. right? Which uh, which I think yeah. is is um, is very interesting. So if you haven't checked out their website by now, probably now you you are going to do that uh, because it is really uh, I think one of the uh, best in class kind of examples of how that can be done. Maybe um, Catherine, I can take you down um, uh, some of the questions that are addressed in the Design to Change book, right? That we address I to people that. that are event owners or event conversations. Now we can do two things. We can either carry on with the horizons of change conversation that we're having, or we can spin a wheel and see where we end up. And that might be in one I, of the other I mean, rabbit holes. What would you like? I to feel do? like we have. To, I feel like we have to spin the wheel. I yeah. just. Why not? Right. Let's do it. Let's spin the wheel. Let's see I'm where gonna, fate takes us in this I'm conversation. I'm going to put the wheel here on the screen, so you see that I'm actually. Uh, oh, you're... spinning the right wheel. Here we go. Genuinely a wheel. Our little wheel of fortune is, is fortune is spinning, and we ended up in right. perspectives. All right. Ooh. So, <clears throat> perspectives. Now, with an event in multiple different places on the planet, that's an interesting kind of place to go to. It's actually the second chapter in the book, and uh, the heading of that is a matter of perspective, a way of looking, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because every truth has an opposite truth. Um, I'm going to have to ask you a little difficult question to start off with, right? Um, and let me share that on the screen so you can actually read along with me. Okay. Um, and this is pretending, I mean, I know that probably all of your conversations are perfect conversations, but let's pretend that there's a conversation that you recently did that you wish you could redo, right? You said you don't leave things to chance and you always prepare mm -hmm. and, you, you know, but I'm sure in your recollection, there might be one conversation where you think, can you picture a conversation that you recently did that you wish you could redo? Mm, that is a good question. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, there's like, which one do I narrow it down to, right? I mean, there's so much, there's well, so much volume in, yeah. in any given day, but um, yeah. yes, yeah. I, because you get a lot of questions during the day as a marketeer, I suppose, you know, should we do this or should we do that or, right? Yeah, yes, and you have indeed. conversations about those things. Um, but think a little bit about, <clears throat> um, and, and, and here's the question that you might, let's say the, the context in which I would ask you to position the question. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, you have an event owner who says, we're doing mm. an event in Vegas, in Amsterdam and in Bangkok. Mm -hmm. 
Um, how, how do you address risk and rewards with your event owner mm -hmm. in conversations when it mm. pertains to marketing? Because, you know, that's that's your your field of specialty. But how do you yeah. address risk and reward? Yep. It's interesting. In my experience, event owners tend to be really focused on two things, um, which is revenue and growth and the story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so to me, how you address that, whether it's, you know, weekly alignments or it's, oh, we're doing a big quarterly presentation or, oh, hey, I'm a little nervous. Can you hop on a call really quick? Um, those are pieces that you need to anchor into, in my opinion, mm -hmm. because it is easy, probably in any world to kind of live in, well, I've got a long list of tactics and things that I'm doing. And, and that list could go on and on and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they don't really care about that. It's like, what, you know, what's, uh, what's getting the job done. So how you, in my mind, tee that up is you have to have enough of a working knowledge of absolutely everything that you're doing that feeds into that story. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, we've decided that we're trying to, you know, build communities in this way and we're doing experts, weave that story thread where it feels like we're, you're, you're able to follow that arc and then know based on data and your campaign management, thought this is really specific to marketing, exactly to a T if there's any risk that you have to surface on the revenue or growth front. I think that's extremely important. And it, it can be challenging to live in because that's a little bit of one foot in both worlds where right you're on the you're on the call where you're doing the like what are the ctas for the attendee email and oh my gosh it exists or what should we do for holiday launches and should it be a playoff remember when we used to do like there was that treatment with the dancing elves could we do with that to our thought leader i mean you're you're in those types of meetings which we really did talk about you won't see that email you'll see some other really fun uh holiday stuff come out and then there is also the other reality of, you know, channel performance, ROI, attribution. Are we seeing any risk in terms of our leading indicators? I don't think anyone in marketing is living in an ecosystem now where you have just one perfect magical dashboard where you're seeing everything and it's red, yellow, green. So there's always a level of like getting under the hood in terms of your partners, your channels, you know, promos, measurements, adding a little bit of, you know, intuitive thinking and critical thinking to it. It's like, okay, well, if face value, some of these things are interesting. This, this seems to be, uh, this is odd. You know, if I look at our whole funnel and it's like, well, that doesn't seem to be converting to a abandoned basket at the same rate. Maybe I want to audit this or referrals at this point, I think should be, you're always having to, to optimize, but you have to, part of effective communication is to know that top to bottom technical output of all of your marketing mm -hmm. align that with like here's the stories that we're trying to tell yeah. because i i have to be really succinct and it is not no one's going to hear every single thing under the hood um mm -hmm. and if you if you launch into tactics or think that your to-do list is going to reassure someone um it's actually not it's your job is to guide the eye and and make sure that you're and i, I would say the other thing that's important to to this and something that i've had to get better at and grow into in my career. I think part of it comes with experience, getting more confident, um, you know, hopefully you get enough work product where you start to shoo away any 
you know, imposter syndrome, but is being able to surface risk and knowing that that is a positive thing and not something that's going to be a flag that you're failing at something. It's going to show that you are on top of your business and you're communicating up really effectively. Yeah. And early on, that's probably a mistake that I've made, right? You pluck out, here's the one good thing from this campaign, or here's the one good thing from this channel, or here's this positive thing, or I'm going to take this little test and I'm going to wrap it all up. And it's just, it's, it's sunshine and roses all the time. And I'm doing a great job and the team is, and being really comfortable with saying, I've, you know, I've got some concerns. Here are the three things that I want us to have a conversation around. I've got some ideas and solutions, but I want us to be really, really aligned in that. And managing that risk is reassuring. I think when you have that, that culture as a business mm. and something as a leader that you have to be, get really comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. I like that because there's always those two, two perspectives, right? The team is doing its best to make the, the most out of what they have all the time. Mm -hmm. Yet it's, if you try stuff, if you're, if you're at the, not in the, yeah. in the mediocre middle, but at the fringes of innovation, mm -hmm. if you're at the outer edges, yeah, the, some yeah. mistakes are made or some, you know, you, sometimes you push a bit too hard or, you know, you mm -hmm. have to course correct in some way or other. Yeah. Um, and, and really quickly, one yeah. quick note to add, I, on the first question that you asked, I, so it's a little bit of a general answer, but it is specific to stuff that I, any conversation that I sort of regret having is one where I either go in unprepared mm -hmm. and I still try to run with it either as opposed to saying, huh, I, I didn't get a chance to look at X. Um, are we comfortable talking about this piece and I can take a little bit more time with it and we can chat about it tomorrow. Or if something comes up organically, maybe you did feel prepared for the meeting and, yeah. and then it kind of goes in another direction we were launching um a smaller event and, and on on the call i kept assuming that i must have missed i was like oh, i bet i'm just playing catch up here i don't i don't quite know this or maybe there was another conversation and after the fact what i realized is i should have absolutely said hey time out I'm i don't know lost. Yeah. You, I'm, I'm a little lost here can you actually catch me up it seems like maybe there were me turns out there wasn't Everyone was just working off the assumptions we were. And so those are all of the conversations that I end up that kind of keep me up at night that I don't feel good about is just being really vocal about, I know we said we'd talk about this today. These two other things came up. Can we have a little bit more time or asking more questions on calls as opposed to just trying to look like got all the answers. I've got it together, I'm running with it, but I don't really know where that came from and I'll follow up after it. So that's my commitment to myself is just to be, you know, to make sure that I'm, you know, keep asking questions and, you know, never be, never be shy about doing that because things are always moving really fast. And as much as in any business you go, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to stay aligned on everything. Um, you can't always. And so what's going to make sure that everything stays in sync is that you feel comfortable going, oh, can we, can you bring me up to speed on this? Can we talk a little bit more about it? Not just kind of, that's how trains sort of leave the station. And the next thing you know, you're like reining it back in as opposed to having the conversation a little earlier. Yeah. I think it's also part of the design culture, right? Where you fall in love with the problem and not with the possible solutions yet, right? You, yeah. You allow yourself yeah. to just roll in the problem for long enough to understand the problem and question the problem before you start thinking about all the answers or the solutions. And I think, um, you know, and, and, I, and I'm always amazed at yeah. how like 
because I know how difficult it is for events to kind of create consistent dashboards and metrics or have answers with regards to like at the scale at which you operate. I'm sure a lot of our listeners operate in much smaller teams and they're like, oh, I wish we had a Catherine that could do all of this stuff that we never get to doing, right? Because they're just designing and delivering and marketing is just yeah. a byproduct that two people yeah. that also do ultimately deliver the event, you know? So it's very often yeah. uh, because you have the scale, you have much more, your scalpel is much finer potentially, or your, your tool set is potentially more specialized. Um, but how would you, um, if you have a, if you have a situation where you, where you, what somebody else, like the event owner, right, has a certain perspective, but your perspective might be mm -hmm. different in terms of like what you feel like is the, you know, the direction of the narrative or the direction of the revenue and the growth. And it's like an opposing view or like a tan, like it's, it's, it's often yeah. a tangent. What question? Um, what question would you ask the event owner or what kind of questions would you ask them to see it like they do? Yeah, I, it, well, and this is, how oh, is this a common, a common thing, right? And I would say part of it is getting into a little bit of the mindset that it's okay to have conversations like this, right? As opposed yeah. to going in and being like, oh, this is going to be the most painful, uncomfortable thing in the world. Actually going, maybe this is a healthy, this is a healthy discourse. I don't, specifically for money 20 we hire from outside our the industry right mm -hmm. so vp of creative came from you know sort of big activation and design our, our vp of marketing is from agency and so we sort of have a brand and demand so within that you get a lot of different perspectives like mm -hmm. i think and 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 getting more comfortable with that oh we we you know we have different opinions and we're not just all of the same mindset but you know specifically you can have one that's going we have to do this, this is, and a lot of it is gonna come down to, and it's easy to say like, oh, well, let's dig into the to the data. Marketers tend to have, you know, a lot more of that to, to go on, but it's kind of the quintessential like modern version of the, the five whys. I mean, you wouldn't approach it just that way, but you really have to take things a layer deeper. You have to get to a level of understanding of what that core, what that core feeling is, why, why do we feel so strongly about the, whether it's location, whether it's format of the event, live versus hybrid, whether it's budget, whether it's investment, how you want to resource, what you're bringing in-house, what you're doing with, with an agency, how fast you're going to grow. Um, that's a big one. And there's, there's, always, there's always going to be you know, how much you should invest in brand versus direct response versus that there's a lot especially when we're in this time of, of events have to keep, you know, transforming. Um, there's, there's a lot more topically that, you know, you want those varied opinions on. So I, I would say, you know, it, it is about being able to be, to be open and, and the five wise thing, I know sounds a little bit trite, but I think it's just because it is easy sometimes to be like, well, you know, tell me why that matters. Or can you help me understand a little bit of, you know, what you think this is going to to drive or where this would take us is this part of a bigger roadmap usually it takes getting a little bit deeper before it might tie into something especially if you feel like you're really on different ends of the spectrum and there's really a strong feeling coming at you and especially if you're like i don't know that's interesting that wasn't really in our roadmap and what i'm seeing through yes our customer data or our growth segments isn't totally supporting that or we didn't really get any traction when we geocloned it right you know you're you're kind of thinking it's very logical and you you just have to keep chipping 
chipping away at that conversation. And I, I think the other piece of it is it gets easier to do that. This is sort of a like practical tip is often when those conversations just have to come up and it's like, it's a really big one as opposed to we've formed a really good relationship and we're meeting really often and we've got more checkpoints. I'm also, I, I'm showing my work. I'm not just shipping things when they're they're finished. Part of what can make that a little bit easier to, I think marketing and design should have even more of a seat at the senior leadership table, I guess is sort of the point. And when that feels like it isn't just critical conversation time or a huge strategy or like, oh, are things shifting for 23 and let's hop on when there's more consistent communication and you are really joined up and you're really proactive in want to share some wins. Hey, here's some things that I'm a little concerned about. That earns a lot of trust and mm -hmm. that sort of, oh, we're regularly communicating about stuff big, maybe even stuff that's a little bit small. And that can make the lead into when it, when it comes to one of those, like you feel like you're sitting on different sides of something it can be much more natural to have that conversation as opposed to like, Oh God, this big meeting dropped in my calendar and it's, Oh, and I got to be prepared. And so I would say that as much as that's possible too, um, because it's, it's inevitably going to come up. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, um, it's always fascinating to speak to someone that operates at the scale that you're operating at. Um, um, I'm sure the problems and the challenges you have and differences of perspective is what make it successful, right? Because by having opposing views and battling, you know, different prototypes and, mm -hmm. and considering pros and cons of these different things, supported by metrics, and sometimes it's gut feeling that you have to metric afterwards, right? Because yeah, I think one yep. of the challenges we're seeing is that, you know, some of the metrics can be thrown out the window because the behaviors have dramatically changed and you cannot base it on the same metrics anymore that you yeah. had in that in that yep. set that happened up until COVID, so to say, right? And like you said, the people yeah. have changed. And so being yeah. able to analyze and, their story needs and and you know what drives them and their feelings and their choices today and for next year and for 2024, you know, when you're going into Bangkok, I think super exciting. Um, I have a very stupid question too. If I can ask that no question, I'm sure question. some of our listeners might have that question. Your, your event is called Money 2020, right? Which sometimes might tell people, is that, you know, the event the that year? two years ago? Or the, <laughs> is it 2020 Vision? Or does that ever confuse is. people? Or is, it, is that you know, deliberate? It's, it's surprisingly, it surprisingly doesn't confuse, confuse people. But no, it is about the, the vision. Clarity so, of the vision. You know, yeah. being, being really clear and yeah. knowing where money is always moving and how money is doing business. So, yeah. but that's 2020 actually vision. very... Yeah. yeah 2020 vision yeah. but it, it's funny as events we live we're so we're year to year right we're like everything is like what are we doing for for this year but yeah our audience is kind of along for the the long-term ride but yeah everything is about looking ahead how do we make sure that we're always giving them what they need not yeah. just in the here and now but what's next so that they can do business it's a fast-changing ecosystem awesome well um Catherine, thank you for sharing some of these, you know, showing us behind the scenes of what Money 2020 does in all these different places, how you look at it as a global marketeer. Yeah. Uh, I think you've um, aroused our sense of FOMO when it comes to why haven't I been to this event and know how it functions from the inside, right? So that might be a good trigger for some people to go visit this. Um, I know for one that the team in, in, in Bangkok, as a matter of fact, 
uh, is trained now. You know, the Thailand Convention Bureau has made a very de deliberate investment to train its partners uh, across uh, Thailand to become very proficient event designers. So I think that might be a very interesting kind of way to also see how the supply chain can be involved in your event design yeah. once you start activating on a local level as well. Um, yeah. And I think this is some some of the changes we're seeing is that um, the supply chain wants to understand how the money is being made by the people that are bringing the business, right? So, and it's, it's very interesting to see that, especially in Asia Pacific, you know, we're, we're about to open an event design lab in Singapore uh, in January, where <clears throat> the team at Marina Bay Sands basically says, you know, well, we want to make sure that we understand how our clients have these conversations and we want to be at the same frontier to understand how they are making their money. Because once we understand that, mm -hmm. we can much better align to what the needs are when you start fulfilling, right? Then the same thing goes for yep. the Thailand Convention Bureau, who has done this um, very specifically during a time like COVID to then invest in the training and the thinking power to, yeah, to basically plug, to be able to plug that into the client's need of, um, understanding how their event creates value. And I think that's going to be, you know, hopefully, hopefully that's going to be, you can sense that when that happens. As a matter of fact, yeah. in Las Vegas, uh, similar things have happened. Also in the Netherlands, we just opened an event design lab. So there's a lot of communities there that are applying design thinking. And I'm curious to hear if, uh, if that is making an impact down the line on how you run your business. Oh yeah, we will definitely have, we'll have to maybe do a part two on Asia in in and of itself because it's such a fascinating market and there's so much the team that we're putting in place there is brilliant yeah. um and we know from a partnership and a design and a marketing and a comms and a language all of those pieces um mm. are going to be you know with that that quintessential money 2020 stamp where you know what to expect from this is the quality of the brand yeah. but how that gets actioned um locally is probably one of the things that we're most excited about uh as a business right now but yeah it's it's so exciting I'm, I'm gonna take you up on that on that um challenge so one of the things we ask people that come on the show after we ask about the horizon of change is because uh, sometimes change can feel so slow right it's like a day in day out it's like it does feel fast but at the same time you feel like it doesn't really move fast but would you be willing to accept our invitation to have the same or to have this conversation a year from today. So this is even before Asia uh, launches in 2024, right? But could we reach out back to you in the first week of December of 2023 and look back at your horizon of change with you? Oh, I love that. This will be like a like a time capsule. Exactly. So, yeah. so we park yeah. the time capsule here and then we'll bring it to next year and see how things have evolved. Are you game? I, I'm game, sign me up. Awesome. Well, for now, uh, thanks, Catherine, for this uh, on-stage part. Uh, we'll see each other backstage in just a moment. Thanks, Thank you for enlightening us, call. and um, um, we'll see you in a moment. Cheers. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.